Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Wavelet, Jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey. They're off and it is on. And betting line has taken the lead. Two, two, boom! Just like that. You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post-time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozen. Smoking Gun, Shaman Hall, production Smoking Gun is flying. Here comes Smoking Gun. I don't know! Oh, yeah, yeah. That just happened! That just happened! That dial, you've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich, and boy, do we have a heck of a show coming up for you today. But Mike, I got to tell you, every time I listen to our open, you know, I I, I have to ask how old your race call is in, in that thing because it's you know, listen, it's going to be from your Hazel Park days if I uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, back in my uh, trebly days before I get older. You know, that's one thing about announcers, I think, is that announcers' voices get more bassy as time goes on. And I'll never forget that race, actually, Mike, because that was uh, the Bill Connors Memorial Trot. Uh, It was a race that we used to go to for three-year-old trotters for $100,000. And we had, you know, usually we get Charlie Norris and the guys from Meadows, guys from Ohio, coming in to try to take that $100,000 prize down. And Art McElmurray uh, with a drive on a horse by the name of Smoking Gun, who I can't remember where he was coming from at the time. But, you know, Art McElmurray was a local driver, one of the few local drivers in that race. And it looked like he had no shot at the top of the stretch, somehow weaved through traffic and uh, was able to get the job done there. And uh, and our McElmurray, for listening to the show, you still owe me that seven iron that you that you took from me seven <laughs> years ago, my friend. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we have got a, a bang up show, Mike. Uh, we are actually going to kind of piggyback off our show last week. Uh, the newly appointed director of racing at Yonkers Raceway, Cammy Houghton. Boy, did he drop a bomb hmm. on us last week. I think uh, both. It took us probably the entire day to recover. Uh, <laughs> from that one because both of us were completely shocked that they are uh, talking about doing away with the passing lane uh, coming up in January. So we're going to have driver Yannick Jingra, uh, DRF Harnesses, Garnett Barnsdale, and North American Harness Updates. Rod Ellums Jr. is going to join the program. We're going to talk pros and cons of the passing lane and uh, the future it might hold in the sport of harness racing. You know, when we put together this panel, Mike, we wanted to make sure that we got a variety of opinions from different facets of the game. Now, we've got one of the best drivers in the business, Yannick Shingra, that's going to chime in. We've got one of the most successful gamblers in the business, the Daily Racing Forms, Garnet Barnsdale. And we've got uh, kind of a mixture of both. 
Uh, you know, he's a young guy, but he's been around the sport for a long time. Second generation uh, horseman, uh, Rod Allums Jr. from North American Harness Update. So we've got a good variety of people from a lot of different perspectives, Mike, I think, that are going to come in and chime in on this passing lane debate. But I'll tell you what, if you read, uh, if you were tuned into social media after our show last week, boy, it just blew up. It was like a bomb. <laughs> Uh, went across the harness racing community, but that's good though. Mike Spurs discussion. Is it good ab- about the having the passing lane? I really don't know, to be honest. I mean, the only, I, I don't know. I, there's pros and cons to it. And hopefully we're bringing in our three experts today. So hopefully they'll be able to clarify things a little bit as far as whether or not the passing lane is good for the sport or not. Right. And uh, it'll be an interesting discussion. That's for sure. I know where we kind of both stand on the idea. So it'll be uh, fun to watch and uh, kind of see where this all goes. Also, Mike, the uh, third part of the discussion between uh, myself, Ray Catolo and Ryan Macedonio, the three Ushua Breakthrough Award nominees will uh, air. The three of us sat down and recorded about an hour long segment. Uh, the first part was on North American Harness Update last Friday. Uh, Ryan Macedonio released his uh, part on uh, Monday on the Trotcast, and now we get to uh, put our part on uh, part three of this series. I'll tell you what, it was a lot of fun kind of sitting down with these guys and just going back and forth about some of the things uh, in harness racing. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and that's something we are definitely considering doing again. Well, you know, Mike, one of the interesting things that I noticed, and this is probably coming from somebody that's been in radio and doing the show and and uh, broadcasting for a majority of my life is the difference interview styles the difference in interview styles like we talked the very first one with Ray Catolo Ray's got a very laid back interview style as you well know um you know a lot of times it kind of just you never know when Ray's interviewing you you never know where it's going to go a lot of times it comes gets out of harness racing they're back into harness racing it just you never know what road it's going to take you on and then you've got Ryan another very laid back guy but uh and then you know I listened to a little bit of this because obviously it was taped a few days ago and I listened to a little bit of it and without giving any spoilers I could tell right away that you're like professionalism just kind of like took over there because you went to a straight laced interview style like right from the beginning <laughs> so it's hey, interesting that's what we to- do well, it's interesting and cool to hear the three different dynamics and the styles, and I think that's, you know, that's a big reason why I think you guys are the finalists and the nominees for the usual Breakthrough Award winner uh, or Breakthrough Awards. So, uh, you know, good stuff, interesting stuff. You're certainly going to want to stay tuned uh, because that's going to come up towards the top of the hour, maybe a little bit past. Plus, another first on this program, Mike Carter. We're going to have the uh, a guy from Midwest. Harness Report, right? Oh, yeah. Midwest Harness Report. Uh, Tim Conkle is going to join the show. Yeah. And uh, listen, we uh, after the big week, so we, we, he is going to sign on to um, our handicappers quarter, the Gold Sheet Bob page. Now, mind you, this was before the $19,000 score, which we haven't gotten into yeah. yet. And, oh. uh, you know. So we'll get into that, I'm sure. But Tim is a uh, Tim's a uh, good guy. He's going to talk about his hardest racing career, Mike. And I'm interested to hear more about Midwest Harness Report. I've only read it a couple of times, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what he has to bring the bring to the table. 
Yeah, no question about it. it uh, I've read it a couple of times. It's a very good publication. We're going to talk a little bit more about that publication with Tim Thorne at the top of the hour. And Mike, I'm glad you brought that up because our <laughs> Handicappers Corner has been absolutely on fire, red hot. Of course, you had the, the 19K jackpot, or you would have had the 19K jackpot if you or somebody else would have played it. And that's another debate for another time, by the way, Mike, whether public handicappers should right. play their picks. I think actually that's a pretty good subject matter. And and uh, and I could tell you right now where I stand. Well, actually, I'm not going to tell you right now where I stand because, well, maybe we'll have a, a debate on that in a couple of weeks or so. But not only that, Mike, but then you got right back to the played Western Fair on Tuesday and you hit a set. What was it? $760 pick for? The early pick four, yeah, it paid a little over $750, and I'll tell you what, it was a big weekend uh, for me, and, you know, it it was kind of interesting how it all played out on Saturday, because Gold Sheet Bob, actually, who was a part of our handicappers quarter, he texted me and said, have you seen the results of race five yet? I said, no. He goes, you better look, and so I went and looked, and I could not believe it. I about had a heart attack uh, in my office, because... I, I saw that looked at the page. I looked at uh, my pick and I looked back down at the receipt and I went, Oh my God, I cannot believe that this is the ticket I gave out. So uh, it was, uh, yeah, well, it was an interesting surprise. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, nonetheless, uh, tune into our handicappers corner. I mean, you know, Hey, listen, you played it. You didn't play it. It didn't matter. You, the fact is you still gave it out. You still handicapped it. So, uh, and, and you know, and when we talk about public handicappers, I'll tell you how really quick, and I don't want to delve into it too much, but I'll tell you how I look at public handicappers. When I look at public handicappers and their comments on particular horses, I'm looking to see if there is anything I missed after I actually handicapped the race. And a lot of times there are. And I think that's kind of what separates the good public handicappers from the not-so-good public handicappers. If you could find some tidbits in their comments that you miss, that the program doesn't necessarily show, that may make you double-think uh, how you looked at a particular race. If they do that, I think they're doing their job. And, and hopefully we're doing a little bit of that on the Handicappers Corner post time with Mike and Mike. But nonetheless, uh, it's a big, big show. We've got a great debate coming up about the passing lane. That's coming up in just a few minutes. Plus, you're going to hear part three uh, with uh, Ryan Ray and Mike Carter, the finalists for the 2017 Breakthrough Award. Plus, Tim Conkle, and much, much more on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented at America. Mike, you got that, my friend? Oh, yeah, I got it. Go ahead. All right. Now at right. Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At the stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519 400 
519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's the stable.ca. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. This is Jamie Lang. I'd like to wish everyone in our harness racing industry a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. It's a beautiful time of year, Christmas time, and on behalf of all of us, we want to wish everybody a very special uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Whatever you celebrate this time of season, please do so safely and with family. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. It's time to get into our uh, great debate, so to speak, about the uh, passing lane. And Mike, last week on this very program, the new director of racing at Yonkers Raceway, Cammy Houghton, really dropped a bombshell uh, on the harness racing world saying that Yonkers Raceway Raceway will do away with the passing lane coming up in January. And Mike, that was uh, that was a, a pretty pretty powerful statement, and certainly one we didn't expect. Definitely, I think uh, both of our microphones came live at the exact same time and said, "What? <laughs> can you repeat? Can you repeat that one more time?" And uh, we uh, we had him repeat it, and we couldn't believe it. But uh, listen, it's uh, you know it's an interesting topic, and uh, that's why we're getting ready to do this, uh, have this little bit of a conversation about it. All right, and we've got a panel of three that are going to join us for this debate. One of the uh, best drivers in the business today, and certainly will go down as one of the best of all time, Yannick Shingra joining us. The Daily Racing Forms, Garnett Barnsdale, one of the most successful handicappers of our time, primarily on the uh, Canadian circuit, uh, Woodbine and Mohawk. And Rod Allums for North American Harness Update was the nominee for uh, the uh, – 2017 post time with Mike and Mike, innovator of the year. Gentlemen, we welcome you guys in. We're going to start with uh, Yannick Shingra. Yannick, first of all, you're kind of a mystery to us. We, we, we kind of know Rod's take. We kind of know Garnett's take. What's your take on the passing lane in general, good or bad for the sport? Uh, well, I mean, it, it, there's a good and bad, but uh, as far as I, I voice my opinion on the, you know, we had a meeting with Cammy last week and um, I don't think it's going to work. I, I don't think Yonkers Raceway is uh, – I, I don't think it's going to work for uh, for their racetrack, the way that the track is set up. Yannick, um, as, far, as far as the passing lane – sorry, Mike. Yannick, as far as the passing lane in general goes, uh, whether there's a difference between a half mile, five-eighths, and a mile, do you see the passing lane being more serviceable on a different uh, size circuit, or do you think uh, all in all it's good? Well, the thing about it for me is that the reason why I say it's not going to work at Yonkers, and in, uh, I don't think it would work at Chester either, and uh, is the track are not banked enough. 
And uh, the reason why we don't we don't pull, the reason why we know that these guys at Yonkers sit on the rail, like I don't race as much there as others, but the reason why us drivers don't do it is because they don't work. I mean, you, you, if you're outside for two turns at Yonkers, you, you know, you better have a good horse. If you're outside for three turns, then you might as well just pull up in the paddock in the, in the fourth turn and just because you're not going to get any money anyway. It's just it doesn't work. And, you know, it doesn't matter what if they force our hands, like now the guy that's going to be third on the rail, you know, yeah, maybe for the first week or two, that guy will pull first up and go backward. And then, you know, and then three weeks later, we'll realize that this doesn't work. And then we're going to sit the rail, you know, and then batting rail puts one more horse in, in position in the stretch to for the betters, right? So now, if I'm the, if I have the favorite, they're one of the favorites that make the front. You know, the first stop is so hard at Yonkers. It really is. And if you've got a horse there, then, then you're taking that guy. You know, you control the race, really, because you've got that guy there in the way. Well, let them go three wide in the last turn and make up any ground because you go Yonkers three wide in the last turn, you lose four lengths, and then now you got the guy in the two hole locked in because he can't beat you in the passing round. So you just took one more horse out of, out of the equation as far as winning the race. I just think, and I I, I told that to Cammy, and I said, you know, if you bank the turn, the, not, and I don't mean any type of bank turns we have here. I'm talking bank turns like Sweden, like like they have over there. Like you mean it's banked for real and. If you think about it, like cyclists, and you think about NASCAR, look at their race, their racetrack. You know what I mean? Like it's banked. I don't even know what the percentage, the, the degree is, but it's banked like for real. And I think that's what would work. Let's bring in Garnett Barnsdale from the Daily Racing Forum. Garnett, you are uh, you're for removing the passing lane from a gambling point of view. Tell us why. Yeah, you know what? I don't really like it. I don't like. Um... I've been trained for decades to look for horses that are going to be aggressive and, uh, you know, do a lot of the work. And, you know, I'll, I'll point to a race where there was a, a race where a horse won on the inside that didn't even have a passing lane, uh, where Yannick got beat with Handel or Hanover at Plain Ridge with J.L. Cruz. Now, he made the decision to move outside uh, because there was so much action in that race. Uh, Resolve made two or three different moves to the front. I'm, I'm sure Yannick at that point realized that he's going to beat both Crazy Wow and Resolve because they'd done so much battling. He swings three. He swings wide, and JL Cruz slides up the inside. I guess because the horses were drifting off their own, they're tired. And you have a sixty-to-one shot winning a major stake race that never won another stake race all year. So, and from a gambling perspective, it's almost impossible to predict something like that. And I know it's a little bit of a, you know a rare situation that there's so much uh, action on the front end. But I think um, you know my main thing is that it's almost impossible to predict uh, uh, luck. You know, I, I know there's some involved uh, in some races, and you can sort of kind of figure it out but from a, a gambler hates to get beat by a horse that's sat third on the rail the entire race done no work uh shows really no merit to win the race on form and just kind of gets lucky because all the other horses knocked each other out and this horse slides up the inside passing lane at the end of the race and wins but you know yenning makes a lot of valid points about maybe on, on certain tracks where they're not banked it's not going to work as well and then you know they may just end up going back to the other way uh anyway and you know the final point i'd like to make is um, from from what I see at some tracks, and you know, I, I'll, I'll point out my home track, Quake. It, it's almost like there's an unofficial passing lane. You see horses drift off the rail almost every race, and I understand, uh, you know, I understand people are going to respond that horses get tired and then naturally drift out. But uh, I, I can't buy it that it happens ten times a night either. So I don't know if it's going to make that much of a difference, anyways, because there seems to be. You know, there seems to be, I don't I, I don't know what you call it, but uh, it seems to be the leader drifts off the rail every race anyways at some of these tracks. So I'm not really sure what the answer is, but no, I'm not, I'm not in favor of it. 
Let's bring Rod Allums in from a North American Harness Update, NahuPicks.com. And, Rod, uh, from talking a little bit to you uh, off the air last night, you're, you're kind of a mixed bag as far as the passing lane goes. Tell us what you think. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of both ways on it. You know, I, I'm not a fan of the passing lane on any bigger track. You know, seven-eighths mile, mile tracks don't need the passing lane, in my opinion. And like Yannick pointed out, Tracks like Yonkers, I think, do need it. Uh, even the Meadows at a 5 uh Northfield is a good example. I think those tracks with the shorter stretches benefit from it. And, you know, they have tighter turns. Some of them have big, big swooping turns like Northfield does. And uh, I think with, with these short stretches, the way to, to kind of keep horses – not on the rail, but, you know, it, it keeps these horses that are sitting third from having to pull first over and getting nothing when they don't have that type of gate speed to to get to the front necessarily. You know, they might uh, they might be a three or four to one shot that has a legitimate chance, but they just can't get off the wings that well. So uh, for me, uh, as not only a driver, a – handicapper i think it's a good thing to have on certain tracks other tracks it's not a good thing and that's really uh up to the the individual i guess for their preference of whether they like it or not okay now yannick uh obviously uh you're one of the best in one of the best in the country but uh listen i put you up on my uh horses on often pacing and i seem to finish uh, mid-pack no i'm totally kidding of course but uh yannick you know it's funny rod brings up uh northfield park uh and the big sweeping turns and kind of the banked turns do you, and you've driven over the northfield service do you think tracks like northfield where the banking you know sort of makes a little bit of a difference do you think half mile tracks no or even five eighths tracks uh, like that? Do they do, do they may benefit from this? No doubt. There's there's no doubt that this, I mean Northfield is an example. Like I don't think Northfield is banked enough, but it's the one that's you no know, most there in Rosecroft. I've never been to Rosecroft, but from talking to guys, I guess it's banked quite a bit there too. But yeah, and it's part of the reason why Northfield the guys can live a little bit on the outside there. You know, you can be out two three turns. Look at the down by the seaside. When he beat uh, Field of Dragon, he was out three turns. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, they're great horses, but, you know, that's my point. You know what I mean? Like, at Yonkers, the bank is – the turn the turns are so flat that you're on the outside, you're losing ground. You know what I mean? But if they make it I'm, – I'm for taking the passing rail out. I don't have a problem with it. But I'm just saying in, in Yonkers' situation and most of the racetrack in North America, it won't work because of the bank and the turns. If they would bank the turns, no, like drastically – then I think then, yeah, you can force our hands to race more. You, no, then the guy that's third on the rail will pull and can live on the outside, but then you're making more speed in the middle part of the race, and, and then you're helping the closers that maybe they have to go three and four wide, but the big sweeping turn, they can actually gain ground off of it. But the way our race track are set up right now, I just think you're taking one horse out of the equation as far as winning the race. And like Garnet said, like they, betters don't like uh, the guy that's sitting third on the rail that's done no work, come up the passing rail and win. And, like, betters don't like that, and I understand that. But betters also don't like a horse sitting in a tool locked in through the stretch. Like, that's part of the reason, if I got it correctly from, you know, people from the past, what the passing rails were put in is because betters were tired of, like, horses going through the wire, like, you know, with people ripping their face off. So, like, you know, I think we're shooting ourselves in the foot right now. That's what I think. 
Okay, uh, Rod, uh, an interesting track that uh, doesn't have a passing lane is the Delaware Ohio County Fair, where they host the Little Brown Jug. And you know what Yannick said about you know horses getting locked in, and uh, you know ha- kind of having to make drivers kind of having to make decisions ahead of time. Do you think obviously it affects the strategy of the race, but do you think it might force them to if a passing lane is pulled? Do you think it might force them to make decisions? Um, maybe at a different pace, a different strategy, so to speak? Oh, yeah, it definitely changes strategy because you you have to take into account that some tracks like Delaware don't have that open stretch. So when you're on the handicapping side, you have to take that into account as well and think, you know, this horse that's sitting in the two-hole might not get out because, of, you know, the the guys down there, you know, they're going for big money when they're racing there, so... Uh, races like that, those guys are not trying to give up any any uh, room on the inside for any horse. So it, it it changes the way the drivers drive, and it changes the way you have to handicap the race. Now, Garnett, from the Canadian standpoint of things, and I know Yannick's driven up there at uh, Western Fair. Western Fair is uh, a track that does not have a passing lane, and um, it, it's really uh, it's really intense racing. Um, it produces uh, a good amount of prices and some very uh, nice prices for the betters. How do you think that not having a passing lane there, say versus Flamborough or Grand River, where they do have a passing lane, how do you think it kind of changes the dynamic up there? You know, guys, uh, guys move early there. There's always somebody out and moving uh, first up before the quarter. It's just the way they race. Um, my, some some live on the outside, some don't. I guess it depends on how how good the horse is relative to the uh, the competition. But um, it's pretty good racing. It's pretty good racing. I enjoy. It's probably my second favorite track at the moment. Uh, I usually bet it um, when you know when Woodbiner Mohawk's not running. Um, and uh, I I just think it provide it, it produces earlier action at that track. Is that going to happen at every track? I don't know for sure. But I know when you watch Western Fair, you always see somebody out and moving first up before the quarter, and guys, and you know, guys tacking onto the cover. So it makes for some pretty good races most of the time. Guys, let's uh, wrap this thing up. Yannick, we'll uh, we'll throw it to you first as we uh, kind of wrap this thing up. You know, um, obviously from a gambler's point of view, they want the chance at more prices. They want more movement. What else, if if we throw the passing lane out of the equation for a second, I know you mentioned maybe banking the turn some more. What can we do maybe to spruce things up besides the passing lane that can maybe make the racing a little bit more competitive or maybe give some of the long shots, especially from the outside on the smaller tracks, more of a chance? Well, it's funny because uh, about a week ago there was a conversation on Facebook that I joined in. I can't. I think maybe it was Murray Brown that uh, started the conversation, but. My personal opinion is, first of all, no, put a, put a slanted gate, you know what I mean? Like, and especially on the half-mile track, like, I mean, you go to Meadows, that, that gate there is quite slanted, and Chester, and, you know, they have slanted gates, and you go to a half-mile track, and they don't. To me, like, that makes zero sense, you know what I mean? Like, and I would have it slanted enough where the, the eight horse is, like, a length in front of the rail horse when the gate opens, you know? So you have that, and, you know, so now you got, you, you know, it's tempting. If you, you have the eight hole right now, you don't want to take a shot. But if you're like the gate open, all of a sudden you're length in front, like it's tempting to take to take a shot out of there. Not, so, second thing I would do, I would slow the gate down. I, could, I think every racetrack, Mohawk is probably one of the worst for that actually, but every racetrack is the gate goes so fast. And I mean, by the time you turn, they turn us loose, every horse is going at 95% of their capacity. And to me, that's so wrong. 
they do it that way so like every horse has a fair start. But to me, that's the complete other way they should do it. They should slow it down so the outside horse have an advantage. They're going closer to full speed and can out-sprint the horse off the wing. Now in the gate open, you can't out-sprint one because you're going full speed already, right? So that would be number two I would do. Number three, I would bank the turns like I've been talking about. And number three, I would make the track deeper. Now if the tracks are a little deeper instead of hard, then the horses that getting used hard early won't last. So those are the four things I would do. And then if that none of that would work, then I would look elsewhere. But I think that that would be a four, first, uh, first four things that I would try all at the same time. Rod Allums, you're uh, kind of the perfect mix between a gambler and a horseman. Uh, what say you? What are some of the things maybe we can do if we take the passing lane out of the equation for just a moment? What are some of the things we can do to maybe make these races a bit more competitive and uh, gambler-friendly? Uh, as far as gambler-friendly, I, I like larger fields. Um, you know, they do it overseas with trailers. I have no issue with any track doing that. Uh, you know, uh, Western Fair, they do it their sixth and 10th race every night they have their high five and they run two trailers in those races. And from a gambling perspective, that's a, a, a big angle for me because I know I'm going to get a better price on a certain horse in the race because there's that extra horse in there. Um, other things, you know, maybe uh, on the smaller tracks, give these horses extra room in the stretch for the outside horses, especially on the half you know, uh, release the gate, you know, maybe a 16th of a mile early. We did that at Maywood. We were the first track to do that where they released us halfway through the stretch. And the horses from the outside actually had momentum coming off of the turn. So if they wanted to leave, they had extra room in the, uh, the stretch to get into a better position. So, uh, those are just a couple things I think uh, can definitely help, and you know it it adds a different element to the racing, which is what we need. All right, Garnett, we're going to give you the last word. What would you like to see uh, racetracks do to make uh, these races more competitive and gambler friendly? A, a mile straight away. <laughs> 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 Me and a mile straight on, away. Oh, hold on a second, guard. Hold on, Yannick. What do you think about that? A mile straight away. <laughs> yeah, that'd be even <laughs> racing, but yeah, obviously it would be good for the fans. But yeah, I could think that. You know, that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> Wait a minute, passing lane or no passing lane, Garnett? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously though, um, you know what? I think the slanted gate is is uh, should should be at every track. I was looking at the post position stats for Mohawk last night, and or sorry, Woodbine. There, Woodbine now. Trotters from the 10-hole win at 1.4% of a clip, and Pacers win at 4%. So that basically tells you if you've got a trotter that draws a 10-hole, no, you know what, you're just, you're just going for some exercise. Um, there's got to be a better way to, to, to make it make the start more equitable. And uh, starting so close to the turns in these half-mile tracks, whether bank turns or not, you know, that's a big issue too. We've we got to figure out a way to make the start more, more fair for everybody. So, um the, you know what, that would help wagering too because then you wouldn't have all the inside horses taking all the money almost every race in some of these tracks. So that and, you know, my dream from a straight away that's never going to happen, but it doesn't mean I can't dream. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, uh, uh, we I, I want to plug to... into that real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, from what Garnett said, I agree with the outside horses having no chance, even on big tracks, just because of where they start. 
and even on the seven eighths, you know, they have that eighth of a mile. But at the same time, you have you have to do something to get people to bet the outside horses, and that's the key: getting people to actually bet these other horses, so that you don't have, you know, every race a one, two, or three hole that is a uh, you know four to five even money, one to five, whatever it might be. And then they draw the eight hole the next week, and they're fifteen to one in the same race. So that that is a big key, in my opinion, and that's kind of what we're working at at uh, Not Who Picks is trying to come up with these different solutions for these different problems. All right. Well, listen, guys, we certainly appreciate you joining us, uh, and we'll let you go one at a time. Yannick Jingra, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you, uh, you and yours, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. No, thank you. Happy all of you guys as well, and uh, anytime. All right, Rod Allen's. Uh, we love listening to you on Nahoo. You've done a great job over there with NahooPicks.com. We're reaching every one of our listeners to go uh, check it out. Some very good analysis, Rod. We certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. And uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's to you and yours. Thank you, you guys as well. I appreciate you having me on. All right, and uh, our good friend Garnett, the uh, the mile straightaway. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'll tell you what. It would it would be it would be pretty awesome. I. Uh, I would uh, I'd wager a couple bucks on that. Garnett, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. I know you left us a Christmas message. We got that uh, we got that thing loaded up and ready to play a little bit later on in the program. But Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you and yours, and uh, we certainly appreciate the the work and the help that you've given us here on this program. It's always my pleasure, guys. I'm looking forward to seeing you at the Molson Pace, and uh, I'm hoping for an early Christmas present when my two year old uh, Pacing Silly Vintage Blues makes her debut Saturday night. At Flambro in race three. She's the longest shot on the board, but we'll hope for the best. Well, you know what, Garnett, before we let you go, you know, Carter, we could have had a very nice Christmas present a couple of we short days ago at the Meadowlands. I was thinking that we, we won't go there. We Vegas on Carter, but nope, it didn't, it didn't happen. Garnett, we'd have never we'll... had to pay for a meal again. There you go. <laughs> All right, buddy. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thank you, guys. Great work as always. All right, thank you very much, Garnett. See, he was giving that you a compliment, and you cut him off. <laughs> <laughs> I cut him right off. He was, uh, yeah, but good discussion. Uh, it's one of those interviews. I think one of those things where you have to go back and listen to it again because you got a lot of different views, a lot of different idea ideas, a lot of different vantage points from that discussion, Mike. And I'll tell you what, all very valid, and it's going to be interesting to see how this thing works out at Yonkers come January. Yeah, you know, Yannick brought up a couple of good points uh, about banking the turns, and some you don't really think about, but if you're looking at, like, say, a NASCAR track, Mike, uh, tracks like uh, New Hampshire, for instance, are very, very level and not as banked in the turns, so, you know, you don't see as many people coming up on the outside. So it was kind of an interesting point of view uh, that he brought up, and it's something that uh, we're going to have to look at. Yep, yep, no question about it. Plenty left on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. I like to call it a fireside chat, which you guys did. Ryan Macedonio, uh, Ray Cotolo, and Mike Carter had a chance to sit down. We locked them up in a room, and uh, we wouldn't let them out for an hour. So we're going to hear part three of that discussion uh, coming up towards the bottom of the hour. Plus, uh, our man Tim Conkle is going to be joining us from the Midwest Harness Report and much, much more on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. 
Join us for the Kentucky Sire Stakes, a month-long series of preliminary races for two- and three-year-olds, Colts, Phillies, Pacers, and Trotters. Both two- and three-year-olds will be racing for three lanes at a $30,000 split guarantee. Series begins on Thursday, August 16, 2018, and culminates with $250,000 finals on Sunday, September 17, 2018. There's an estimated $4.5 million in overall purse money on on the, line. on the line. Also new in 2018, $50,000 consolation races, which will be held on Saturday, September 16th, 2018. For more information, visit khrc.ky.gov. That's khrc.ky.gov or call 888-KY-BRIDS. Have you played Harness Racing's hottest new game? Often pacing allows you to build and manage a stable of horses. Race at real-life racetracks, enlist real drivers, buy, sell, and claim horses, start a breeding operation and breed a champion, and compete against your friends in the entire Often Pacing community. Often Pacing is available at the Google Play Store and on the App Store. For more information, follow them on Twitter or on Facebook at Off and Pacing. Thank you for being part of the 2017 Breeders' Crown at Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Together, we witness the greatest harness racing athletes in the world vie for $6 million and solidify their place in Breeders' Crown history. We would like to offer our sincerest congratulations to the 2017 Breeders' Crown champions. Join us for the 2018 live harness racing season. 160 days of the country's best harness racing action. Visit HoosierPark.com for more information on the upcoming live racing season. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Mike and all the post-time listeners, uh, this is Tim Tietrich. Just wanted to wish all the listeners and all the horsemen in our industry, you know, along with the grooms, owners, and trainers, and uh, uh, just wishing everybody a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, and a safe one. Enjoy the family, and uh, we'll see you in 2018, and success to a great year. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. The Christmas and holiday wishes continue as we come back from each of our commercial breaks, but we're joined now by Mr. Tim Conkle from Midwest Harness Report. Tim, how are we doing, my friend? Never better. Well, Tim, uh, talk to us a little bit about your uh, career in harness racing. It's your first time on our show, so kind of tell our listeners uh, how you got into the sport and uh, how this uh, magazine came about. Well, I grew up in uh, Ohio where harness racing back uh, <laughs> when I was growing up, everybody knew somebody with a, a uh, trotter or a pacer, and I was no different. And a good friend of mine had horses and got involved, and 
it just has progressed into a lifelong uh, a career, I guess you might say. Uh, I just it's one of those things that gets in your blood, and once you're hooked, you're hooked. And I'm uh, one of those guys. I'm hooked. Tim, of course, uh, you do the Midwest Harness Report, uh, and you can find them at MidwestHarnessReport.com. And primarily it covers – and it's a print magazine, and it primarily covers uh, the Midwest, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, in that area. Tell us a little bit about right. uh, more about the magazine. Um, next issue, the January issue, will be uh, the start of our 40th year, uh, printing every month. Uh, I've owned it. Uh, 22 years now, I guess, and um, we're just we're very interested in just promoting uh, harness racing. Um, we send it out to a lot of newspapers just to give them something to think about, and every once in a while, a newspaper will pick up a story. Um, we we're a little different. We I, I try to cover younger people. I always try to have some a story every month on one of the younger generation. Uh, in the sport, getting into it. Um, we also do a lot of stories on owners. And, of course, I'm at all the Ohio tracks, and I just live 10 minutes from Hoosier Park, so I'm obviously a regular there, too. Um, just whatever's you know, out there in the industry that I think uh, is interesting, and I'm not above uh, stirring the pot up and putting something a little controversial in the magazine once in a while, just give some people something to think about. Now, Tim, it's uh, f- kind of funny you mentioned that because with the breeding in Ohio and Indiana kind of growing uh, at a pretty big rate, and uh, you being from Indiana, uh, me from Ohio, uh, the one thing I notice um, is kind of the two states are, are, are kind of prospering as far as the hunter racing industry goes. What do you think that maybe the sport could do uh, a little bit uh, differently to kind of you know boost things up a little bit? Well, I'd love to see some series with – the Ohio Sire State Courses versus the Indiana Sire State Courses. Um, scheduling is a problem, but I think it would be a a, a great series and create some interest. And uh, I, I proposed that several years ago. And you know, like I say, the scheduling of it is just the, the big issue. But um, both states, you're right, uh, brings on the upswing, uh, better stallions, but more importantly, lots better mares. And um, I think we're, you know, for years and years, Pennsylvania and Hanover, you know, they kind of owned the breeding end of it. But um, I'm really excited about Ohio. I mean, the the quality of the stallions they're getting right now, um, it's impressive. Visiting with Tim Conkle from the uh, Midwest Harness Report. And once again, you can find them online, MidwestHarnessReport.com. Tim, uh, you're kind of, uh, I guess, you know, you, you still do the print. I know a lot of magazines have kind of jumped forward, and and uh, now we're doing it on uh, the internet. But you've kind of stuck with print, and and I know how hard of a work, how hard of a job that could uh, certainly be trying to get interviews and just trying to line up and meet deadlines and all that. We we're talking about that over email the <laughs> other day, trying to stress to meet deadlines. But give us a day in the life of uh, of Tim Conkle, especially nearing deadlines. What are some of the things that uh, that you have to do? Just kind of take us behind the scenes a little bit. Well, first of all, I've got a really good bunch of writers, and, and they make my job a lot easier. Um when I first started out, I tried to write a lot of the stories myself. Um, now I do more 
uh, as far as ad sales and, and build ads and things like that. And, and I do write a random thoughts article every month, but I got people like Dean Hoffman and Jen Royce and James Witherwrights and, and James Platts and Kevin Mack and Jay Hochstetler. Uh, these guys write stories for me every month, and they do a terrific job. And I'm always open to any ideas they have, uh, you know, concerning the sport. And like I said, they make it they make it easier. And, and we do have a social media gal, Emily Hay, that takes care of Twitter and and Facebook. Um, that was just a little bit too much for me, but she does a great job. And um, one of the reasons we've stayed with print is, is in both states, the Amish are a large <coughs> contingent um, in harness racing, and uh, both breeding and especially in Indiana. There's a lot of Amish who are now training horses and racing horses, and um, print is big to them. <laughs> so, you know, we've kind of stayed with it, and uh, our uh, our readers have stayed with us, so that's one of the reasons we've stayed with print. All right, Tim, before we wrap this thing up, my friend, let's give everybody the uh, particulars. If anybody uh, wants to get their hands on an edition of Midwest Harness Report or they want to uh, do a subscription, how can they go about doing so? It's $30 a year or two years for $50. Um, Just send a check and make sure the address on the check is correct uh, and send it to P.O. Box 493, Daleville, Indiana, 47334. And we'll get you right on the list and make sure you get the next issue. All right, that's fantastic. Well, listen, Tim, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Uh, once again, we are reaching every one of you to, to sign up. It's uh, obviously very, very affordable. And, uh, hey, uh, you know, to the harness racing fan uh, in your household, that may make a very nice Christmas present. Uh, was it 50 bucks for two years? I'll tell you, you can't beat that, my friend. Can't beat that. And, nope. and it's always a nope. good reach. Tim, listen, we appreciate you joining us, buddy. And, uh, and uh, best of luck to you. Merry Christmas and uh, happy holidays from all of us to you. Okay, you too. Thank you. All right, that was Tim Congo from the Midwest Honest Report. 40 years, and I'll tell you what, a good roster of writers. My God, Very good. my buddy James Witherite, Jay Hochstetler, Dean Hoffman. We're getting to the we're, – we're, that's a pretty talented roster there, my friend. Well, listen, I think I've seen a few from Kim French and stuff in there. It's a, it's a really interesting read. I like the uh, like the uh, magazine. And if you haven't picked up a copy, uh, make sure you do it, and you won't regret it, that's for sure. Get it for the uh, hardest racing fan in your Christmas list. $50 for two years. Listen, if I could give a gift that was that nice for two years and you get something every month, look at that. It's like getting a present every month. Absolutely. So is that what you're going to get me for Christmas, my friend? Well, listen, your lump of coal is in the mail, okay? Yeah, a lump of coal is in the mail, right, right, right. Well, listen, anyway, speaking, speaking real, of, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, speaking of the holidays, uh, you know, a lot of the tracks, Mike, have kind of switched gears and gone to like a holiday schedule. But one track that is uh, switching, and if you haven't been to the new Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment, Mike, uh, you got to get out there and check it out. Uh, we've been out there a few times for a couple of different live remotes. And I got to tell you, it is a blast and a half out there. Uh, they just recently changed their post time, I believe, to 6:35, um, beginning uh, with uh, Friday night. So, uh, you know, it's a nice place to go. They've got a lot of great promotions going on every weekend, and of course, they've got the uh, trot or excuse me, Trotters and Pink, and both places are uh, fantastic food-wise, from what I understand. 
Absolutely, no question about it. They certainly are. And by the way, if you're headed out to the Meadowlands, you're going to uh, play it in your fa- on your favorite ADW. Make sure you check out the Handicapper's Corner. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Post time with Mike at Mike.com because Mike Carter's in fuego. He's on fire with uh, his selections. And I'm not doing too bad either. You know, back on Monday, Mike, I had uh, the first five races my second place when I get this, how bad I am. I got to brag about my second place picks. Okay. My, <laughs> my second place picks in three of the five races, one and uh, two paid over double digits. One of the $60 winners. So not quite $19,000 worth of bragging there, but uh, I, know, I got to well, brag about my second place horses. That's how, well, that's how bad it's gotten. The handicappers quarter, you know, it's a uh, kind of a neat little uh, place to uh, yeah. neat little place to visit. And, uh, you know, we keep our stats right there on the front page uh, for you to see, you know, uh, gold sheet, Bob is kind of the, uh, not the sore thumb, Mike, but uh, he is the sore thumb of both of us. Uh, he is absolutely oh, yeah. dominating all of us. But what makes this interesting is we give the average win price and I'm kind of proud of all of us. We have kept our average win price above five bucks. So uh, that's not too bad considering, uh, you know, harness racing is a a little bit more of a favorites game than most. But, you know, our average win prices are uh, sticking right up there. Yeah, we try to give you long shots. We try we try to avoid chunk what we can. And by the way, Mike, and I know we're running short on time because we've got uh, uh, some – we want everybody to tune in at noon. Noon's actually a pretty big time here in the harness racing industry, 12 o'clock Eastern. Tell us why, Mike. So uh, when we were planning this show out, we say it's the fastest 90 minutes in, in harness racing. I told uh, Mike we got to be done in uh, about 45 because um, the divisional honors are going to be announced by Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Uh, our friends at Ushua are going to no- or announce the um, divisional winners. Now, we won't know who the Trotter of the Year, Pacer of the Year, and Horse of the Year are until the award banquet in February, but... Starting at 12 noon, that uh, broadcast begins. So we, uh, we're we going to h- try to hurry up and get off the air before then, and uh, that way everybody can tune in from here to there. That's right. We'll segue right into it. But real quick, Mike, and I know we're on a crunch on time, but, you know, we've gone the first 45 minutes. We have not mentioned one time next week's program. It's the 2017 Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards show coming up next week, and there is still time to vote. But, boy, Mike, I'll tell you what, sands of the hourglass are running out. That's the truth. Uh, you make sure you get your votes in on Post Time with Mike and Mike.com. We will have a new Post Time next week for next week's show only. First post will be 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll come on the air for a two-hour broadcast from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And we'll kind of, you know, just look through all the awards, go back through uh, maybe some of years past stuff, Mike. And, you know, it's uh, probably one of our most fun shows of the year because, you know, we get to honor some of the great people in harness racing. But we bring these people people on the show, Mike, and a lot of them have no idea why we're bringing them on the show. And uh, that's what, that's what, you know, we, we call it our award show and we go, Hey, you know, uh, Mike Fosich, will you come on the show? Yeah, I'll come on. They have no idea in some cases that they were, uh, you know, that they're uh, up for the award. So, uh, so we like to uh, surprise a few people too. In fact, uh, I still have Sam McKee's nickel sitting here at the house. I guess I uh, better send that over to uh, Chris and his family. Cause uh, I forgot to send it last year with his uh, award. Yeah, it's a Kansas Award show, and I'll tell you what, we're going to have a lot of different people, a lot of different guests. We're going to have, uh, like we did last year, special guest presenters for all the awards. It's going to be a fun, fun time. Please don't miss it. It's our third annual Post Time with Mike and Mike Award show coming up uh, next Thursday at 7 p.m. All right, when we come back, we're going to uh, 
We're going to check in on the boys. We locked them in a room. Mike Carter, Roy Catolo, and Ryan Macedonio. It's uh, part three of that interview coming up next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, Rehab, Rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org.
All right, Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. This is part three of a three-part series. First part on North American Harness Update. The second part was on the Trotcast Revolution presented by Diamond Creek Farm. Uh, I'm Mike Carter, as you've seen throughout the last couple of things. I'm joined by Ray Catolo and my man Ryan Macedonio. And listen, guys, so uh, we're going to treat, we're recording this on Thursday, December 14th. This is going to air next week, so I can kind of talk past tense. So, Ray, I don't know if you saw our Twitter uh, this morning, but this week, uh, Cammie Houghton kind of dropped a, kind of dropped a huge ball on post time with Mike and Mike by uh, saying that they have approached the gaming commission uh, about dropping the passing lane. And it's funny because uh, the SOA of New York, as we've been recording this, has been retweeting some of that stuff. Uh, we'll start with Ryan. Ryan, I mean, this this is kind of a big deal uh, that uh, Yonkers, is, uh, Yonkers is doing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I've had some time to think about this specific thing along with you know, this has been a discussion for who knows how a couple of years, whatever it's been. We got to get rid of the passing lane. Can I can I pass it to Ray because I am actually going to I, I, I'm I'm gonna I want to start it off with a with a <laughs> totally negative, but I want to give that perspective. So let's fluff everybody up. Ray, you can you can fluff everybody up, and then I will come back and cut everybody out and just give that perspective. I, I don't necessarily believe it, but I think I think you'll want to tune in. Uh, to listen to what I have to say. So, Ray, go ahead. Well, like, okay. a, like a horse that rides the pocket and does little effort, I will take all the credit here. Or Bolt the Doer, for that matter. Or What the Hill. But What the Hill, I'll keep on going. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I'll keep naming horses. I am I'm in favor of getting rid of passing lanes. As much as I love my horse sitting in the pocket at 30-1 to 1 and sliding up the inside to win, but that just happens so seldom that it doesn't really impact me at all if anything I want to see more movement in these races and that's a common thing that's a common complaint I get from a lot of handicappers and especially on my show there's a lot of times where it's just like why didn't he move why is he not moving why are they not moving there's no movement it's all stagnant and if you look at it uh, theoretically speaking uh, or more more abstractly uh, you look at a story a story is interesting and engaging because it's dynamic there are rises and falls there is a there is almost a lot a metaphysical line that is moving as the story goes and carries you through if there There's no movement in racing, albeit the horses are going in a circle, but there's no kind of competition or engagement, a horse coming alongside, or they're five wide at the top of the stretch. It's just simply not engaging. There are times I have, I bet like a six to one shot that loses a race, but I go, wow, they were six wide turning for home. That was fun to watch. And that's what I want to see more of. And you probably would get that more without a passing lane, especially at tracks like Pocono and Yonkers. Now, I agree with all that. I just want – this is going to get lost in all of it. Now, we have a horse shortage. This, I know nobody's going to talk about this. We have a horse shortage, right? I talked We've about it on your show. <laughs> yeah. Now, the only thing that I'm worried about is I hear people complain about Yonkers all the time. There's no movement. But at Yonkers, you have the best drivers. You have the best horses, the best trainers, the best owners. That's agreed upon, right? Everybody agrees on that? I yeah. would say that. Okay. Now, when you have the best of everything combined – why would there be mistakes in a race? A driver driving a horse knows exactly what that horse can do, and he's going to drive that horse accordingly. Therefore, there's not going to be mistakes in the race. The horse is going to be placed accordingly. Therefore, there's not much movement. Movement and excitement happens 
when there are mistakes, like at Northfield. There's a lot of movement. There's hey, a lot hey, of hey, no, 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 hey. no, no. But no, but but that's but let's be realistic. The purses aren't the best, so therefore you don't get the best horses, best drivers, best. They're fine, but I'm talking about the uh, the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Andy Dalton. That's the difference. That's fine. I, but, I, I don't get that reference. Uh, you, you, yeah, I, I do. Right, right. I get it. Okay. There, there's a there. I'm not. You know, I'm not besmirching anybody by saying they're all professionals, but there's a difference between the best versus very good. And when you're the best, you very rarely make mistakes. So therefore, the racing at Yonkers doesn't have mistakes. I don't think that taking a passing lane is going to inhibit mistakes by the drivers because they're going to all adjust. They're all the best there. I still don't think you're going to have excitement as much with, with or without a passing lane. On top of the fact that uh, now, I still want it. I still want to make the drivers uncomfortable. I want to force them to make mistakes. But in these mistake-filled races where we have horses that are parked three wide of the quarter, the only thing that I'm unsure about is we have a horse shortage, and these horses will get roughed up from time to time, and I'm not sure that they can handle week in, week out of that type of racing. Hopefully, they can adjust long-term. We don't. We kind of gloss over the horses as if they're not – as if they're just not uh, breakable. You know, these horses are going to go rough trips. They're going to get put in scenarios by people who are making mistakes, trainers, drivers, and owners. I don't like the position that they're going to be put in. So I'm okay with it, but we just have to keep that in mind. The horses are, are should be our top priority. Okay. Um, so I got a couple more questions as well before okay. we uh, wrap this thing up. Uh, sure. We've all kind of done. Uh, we've all kind of talked about our uh, experiences in harness racing, what our major accomplishments were. But one thing that uh, we haven't really discussed is how we got to this point right here. How we got to be um, nominated for this award, or you know, how we got into the sport of harness racing. Ray, I'll kind of kick it, throw it to you first. Uh, you know, a sh- short, just a minute or minute and a half blurb as to. You know, what what got you interested in the sport of harness racing? I know you call call races on your show all the time. Um, what got you interested in all that? Uh, I was introduced to thoroughbreds first purely by accident. And then I knew my dad always worked in racing. And there was one day I just went to the track with him. I, I was starting with thoroughbreds, but I got more into harness because I could not read a thoroughbred program to save my life. And har- harness just seemed a lot more <laughs> interesting to me. Uh, and through that, I was able to, you know, get closer to my father because otherwise I, I would just be I would just be with him. And there was really nothing. There was no kind of bond with us. And that's also I think you hear that with my show, too, and why I focus on the camaraderie aspect. You would see my father and I at the track. We're, we're doing the same stuff that I'm doing on my show, except we're probably being a lot more exuberant. We're being a lot louder and we're talking about probably more blue topics. But uh, I that that's the kind of fun I've always had from racing is being able to, to like talk to my best friend and I, that's the kind of feeling that I want to bring to the sport through what I do. Now that's that's very narcissistic for me to say that I can do that, <laughs> uh, but that that's the goal. I don't want to say that's what I do because I I'm not the best judge of how well I do something. Hey Ryan. Hey Ryan, we've got no sound from you, buddy. Ray, can you hear him at all? No, I can't. I can see your mouth moving, but I don't see or don't hear anything. I'm a big dumb boy with big dumb boy arms. <laughs> no, nothing, Ry. Nothing? There you go. Oh, oh I thought we were hearing you. Yeah, you can hear me now? We're yeah. good? Yeah. We're good. 
So I, I started in horse racing because my whole family is involved with it, both sides, mom and dad, generations. And it's, it's really tough to get away from an industry or business, no matter what it is, when you have literally, when you receive 20 years of knowledge just by being a part of it. It's really hard to go away from something when you gain that knowledge because it's free knowledge. I could go to college for harness racing, but it's jam-packed in my entire lifetime. So I know all of these things. I've, I, I know all aspects of the business. So that's why it, it's pretty much why. What, what are you going to say, Ray? Well, all, I'm, I'm monologuing here. I know all the aspects, every single yeah, I one. Every, I know, you could point I know it to aspects. me and I can yeah, name it for you. Yeah. So that, that's why I'm involved with horse racing. It's just because I've amassed this mass amount of knowledge. <laughs> and and it, it's really hard to, to get away from that. It's hard to, to go into another area. And I've tried, and I, I'm in other areas, but harness racing is always going to be there because my it's a connection to my family. You always seem like the kind of guy who get into astrophysics. I did go to college for astrophysics. Oh. oh. <laughs> there you go. I yeah, went man. for economics. Sure. Excuse me. Yeah, no, I, I did. I did go for aerospace engineering and, and astrophysics. So, some, yeah, some, I, some of us didn't go to college, okay? So let's. Yeah. Uh, who who uh, might that be, Michael? Well, his name uh, <laughs> rhymes with uh, Michael uh, Martyr. But, Michael uh, Martyr. <laughs> anyways, uh, no, I got. I kind of got into the sport. Uh, I went to the track just like you, Ray. I went with my dad and my grandfather. And at three, I would like look at the TV and kind of mumble things, and they thought I would be an announcer. And well, I or insane. Or in, yeah, right. Or insane, and I, uh, I partially, uh, partially am. I was the uh, full-time announcer at Buffalo uh, for a while, and then I kind of switched over to Northfield. And um, you know, it, it, I think we can all kind of bring it back to like a family type of setting. And I think that that's a uh, that's a huge, um, you know, that's a huge, huge part of uh, the industry. Is you know, people bring their kids like. I know at some tracks you you got to be 18 to come with your family to the racetrack. Like that's crazy to me. If you you know what I'm saying? Because I mean, granted, people under 18 can't bet, but I mean, you got to introduce introduce them to it uh, somehow. And I think uh, you know, bringing being able to bring them to the track is uh, is a way to way to do that and kind of expand their minds a little bit. Well, I think what you're describing too is just a natural component to humanity. How much of everything that we do comes from our mom and our dad. That, that's everything that Sigmund Freud talked about. We carry with us our parents' mannerisms, their behaviors, so, sometimes even their hopes and dreams, even if they aren't our hopes and dreams. So I feel like racing should definitely capitalize. Why should I feel? I should be able to just say it. Harness racing should capitalize on just that aspect of human nature, as most places do. I, I bet you a lot of times, uh, you guys, for instance, you guys are more into sports than I am, and by virtue, it's for the same reason. Uh, how many times do you guys remember sitting on a Sunday, not, Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, watching football with your parents? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan, I'm assuming you you've done the same. Well, I mean, all sports and yeah. our sport is the most most accessible out of every sport, mm-hmm. and we don't capitalize on it at all. Right. Well, not necessarily. Well, like you can't uh, find it in Memphis. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hey, yeah. listen, if you, you drive five hours south, and you can catch all three breeds on the same racetrack at the same so, time. You know what? Well, no, it's not at the same time. Oh, I, okay. I can only imagine what it'd be like if it was at the same time. All right. Well, uh, before, I guess we're getting ready to wrap this thing up. But uh, one thing you would like to – one thing you want to accomplish in harness racing. Go, right? One thing I want to accomplish – wow. See, what you do is you usually repeat the question when you're trying to figure out the answer in your head. So that's what I'm just doing right oh, now. Oh, yeah. It's a cop-out. It's a cop-out. Yeah. 
Right, yeah, it's a, it's a compound, and then me and Ray are going to make a joke while I'm still thinking about what I actually want to say. I'm just say. helping you one right thing, now. Yeah, yeah he, he's helping me stall right now, but I'm actually going to give an answer right now. One thing that I want to accomplish is I want to keep, uh, I want to keep making friction within the business because the only way that things get actually achieved is for me to say something and then for you to say something about that and pull an idea out of it and say, well, I don't like all your ideas. You know, I, I write shameless self-promotion. I write a DRF column every week that's in the newsletter. And it's just a quick little thing. It's 400 words, whatever it is. But I just blurt out some random stuff. And a lot of times I get feedback from it. And it's like, well, that idea is stupid. But we can't take one part of it. Yeah, maybe it's all grandiose or whatever. But you tell me we can't take any part of it. So discussion and leading the discussion and having podcasts like this and people coming up to all of us, I'm sure when we go to the, the tracks and messages on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, is just getting the discussion. And we don't have to get all of it right away quickly, but just having discussion and pulling ideas from it and just moving the business forward little by little. That's, that's my biggest, and I've, I've already done that in, in the couple of years. Uh, you've seen my mark on a lot of the content and uh I'm, I'm, i just want to keep doing that right uh, let's see what do i want to accomplish in racing we see ryan gave me a fantastic idea to repeat the question in my head as i think about it while at the same time i, the I had time. all that time to think about it however it's such a complex answer because that involves where i'm going to be in the next 10 years of my life, for instance, I might be opening at the Laugh Factory in Sacramento. I don't know where I'm going to be. I hope that's the case, but that's irrelevant to harness racing. I guess if if I'm still working in the industry in 10 years, which I, I might be, I may not be, I'm just I'm riding the waves as I have them right now. Uh, I don't want to just say something simple like it'd be cool to call a race. I mean, I call races all the time. I've accomplished that in my life. <laughs> Uh, but never on track. But it's, I guess, I'm on, the, I'm in the same boat as Ryan, where it's just I don't want to be irrelevant. I want, I, I, I come on, do my show. I, w- I want people to say that was good, that was bad. I had fun. You suck. Bite me. Eat me. Anything of that sort. Just, <laughs> just to, it's just, just to be shown that I have some kind of impact, whether it is. Uh, good or bad just the sheer recognition that i am here right now and i don't know if that's like the refusal of me to accept my mortality where it's like the moment the moment everyone forgets who i am it's like am i even am i even alive now am i even a person that's an awful feeling well i mean i don't think those are bad answers at all i mean i think that you know you got to think as to you know where harness racing will be in you know 10 or 15 years I would hope that I'm in, you know, I, I would hope that I'm still here at Northfield and kind of, uh, you know, just plugging along. You know, I'd love to be the, I, I think Ayers is the fourth full-time announcer ever at Northfield. So I, I would like to be the fifth in my case. Um, I mean, we have some pretty big races out here. I think uh, I've gotten some pretty big opportunities out here. So I, I'm, you know, pretty happy with where I'm at. So I, I, that's a substandard answer, but that's what we're going with. Well, I also want to say uh, one thing that would be great for my show and my brand is uh, to have more racetracks invite us to do on-track stuff, and even even on their feeds, uh, just because I think it would be – I think it'd be cool to be one of those personalities or be one of, 
the peop- one of the first people to, to be a kind of personality or a character on those broadcasts to try and bring entertainment while also you know handicapping at the same time. Uh, we're, we're having an experiment with that actually January 19th at the Meadows. Uh, my show is going to be live on track doing another video cast like we did at Hoosier Park. And we would, we would love to do that at other tracks like the Meadowlands, Yonkers, Northfield. I can't say Balmoral because the mob took that track. Uh, <laughs> uh, but basically anywhere that would invite us or even host us, uh, it's always fun to go out to the track and be a part of the culture while at the same time uh, being the entertainment as well. There, people hate people don't like to admit that they like being in the spotlight, but I have a literal spotlight on me right now. It's it's shameful to say, but it's fun to be the that, center of that attention. That wasn't a good joke, by the way. Just because you have a light on your face doesn't mean you have a spotlight, brother. <laughs> uh, well, can, can, can I say what one thing? What are you thing? saying? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Let, let, well, I just want to say that all of us being nominated for this award, uh, whether or not people like us, I think most people like Post Time with Mike and Mike. Uh, I think Ray and I have a little bit. We're we're kind of we're kind of the at the kitty table. I think most people think, or we're like the stepchildren of uh, of stepchild is a good way to heart. put it. Yeah, but but still, people people are going to have Ray and I are more polarizing uh, than Mike, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But the fact is that this award brings legitimacy. Uh, it doesn't matter who wins, uh, although. Uh, there has to be I'm one. shamefully, yeah, there has to be one, but it, right. regardless, the fact that the three of us are, are nominated for this award and the fact that maybe most of the people in harness racing or Oshawa or whatever really didn't fully know that we exist until now, maybe they have to actually vote on this award. And a lot of the people in Oshawa are in positions of power or to kind of manipulate the power. Now they all know who we are fully, what we do. We are all working together, and yeah, maybe this will present us fully more opportunities because we're the breakthrough. Nobody else was a breakthrough. The three people who are doing shows and podcasts and video and bringing you content, we're the ones who are breaking through, and we're going to be the three of us, plus who who knows, other people can start video podcasts. We're the ones who are going to be here doing this for, for years to come. Well, uh, to also make note, I have 17 more years to win this award, and seeing as this is my second time up for it, uh, it's safe to say that if I don't get it next year, I'll probably still be around. There you go. I was going to say, because Ryan and I are getting close to the uh, to the age limit there. Uh, Ryan, uh, more so than me. But, uh, <laughs> is there wow, way limit? to flatter yourself, so Carter. 32. 32. It's, really? Oh, so I – no, listen. Listen, all right, you know what? Forget you guys. I better win this award because then, then, then I'm I'm done. I, so vote for me. Carter and Cotolo can get it next year and the year after that. Uh, forget that. You got to vote for me because if I don't get it, then uh, then I, I'm not eligible. And I can't break through anything. I'm holding down by the man's holding me down again. No, it's time itself. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. All right. Well, as we wrap this thing up, uh, Ryan, real quick, behind you, I notice all of your uh, media passes and press passes. I thought I was the only one to, like, have a hook for all of them. So I have a hook for all of mine. Mine are on my doorknob. Uh, well, there you go. See, we've kind of all got our media passes then. Actually. Yeah, do you have uh, – but I, I think I got better ones than you do. Probably. I'm, I'm looking – look, I got a pre-Damarique one. You don't have one of those, do you? I do not. Funny, funny story real quick. Uh, uh, so here's my pre-Damarique one. So when, when Kate and I went to France, um, I 
emailed them. I emailed, I think it was Latrot or whoever, and you know, got my press pass, whatever. And I forgot to put Kate down. <laughs> so, so I, I just when we went to pick up the press passes, I, um, I picked up mine and and Kate didn't have hers because I forgot to do it. And boy was she pissed because she couldn't get into the paddock or anything, and I just left it. So that's, oh. so what a go. man! There's, what a man! It's my man, yeah. If so there's all my press passes. <laughs> You might be breaking uh, through here, but you weren't breaking the gla- glass ceiling there at all. Uh, oh, man. Well, listen, this has been a lot of fun. We should, you know what? We should probably, uh, you know, do this. Maybe we should make this like a monthly thing or something. This is this was kind of cool. I have no problem with that if Ray can actually figure out how to do video. <laughs> uh, I, I have a whole more time to figure that out. So, well, for the Trotcast, for North American Hardest Update, for Post Time with Mike and Mike, uh, this has been a lot of fun. All right, yes, um, with that, this is the conclusion of part three of our three-part breakthrough series. Uh, Thanks again to... Wait, why am I thanking you guys? (laughs) Uh, You guys are going to come on either way. Uh, Are we done recording? Are we done recording? Yeah, hold on, wait. Thanks to... Before we stop recording, thanks to Ryan for doing the video. Thanks to Ray for uh, mixing the uh, audio. And thanks to me, because I didn't have to do anything other than record myself. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're content with your uselessness. That's perfect. There you go. All right, guys. From all of us, that's it. Hey there, Mike and Mike. It's Sugar Doyle from the Raceway at Western Fair District, London, Ontario, wishing both you and all your listeners a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Take care, everyone. All right, back live on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, such a special time of year. It always is. We're just four days away from the Christmas holiday coming up on Monday, December 25th. And uh, what you just heard was uh, part three of the interview between the uh, the Ushua Breakthrough Award nominees, Mike Carter, Ray Catolo, and Ryan Macedonio. And, and Mike, I just got to ask you one question. Uh, you concluded that interview. Uh, obviously, three parts were heard on three different programs. After hearing the three parts, the trilogy, if you will, do you think the uh, Ushua committee is is rethinking their uh, <laughs> their nomination for the Ushua no, Award? Not, not not really. Here's the thing. We I think we all kind of gave you know us we we had some fun with it, but we also took it a little bit seriously. Um, you know, with Ryan and Ray and I, uh, the three of us kind of sat down and, you know, really dove into some of the things that we thought, you know, impacted harness racing, maybe impacted us, uh, and how we got here. I think, uh, you, you, when you brought up the three different interview styles, it was definitely, uh, if you listen to all three parts, you can understand what we're talking about, uh, as far as that goes, uh, kind of, you know, Ray's side, Ryan's side, and then of course my side, but it was a fun little project that we put together. It was a cool little mashup that we, uh, that we were able to put together and, uh, we had a lot of fun with it. That's for sure. We had a lot of laughing and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was fun. Yeah. All seriousness, uh, 
kidding aside, great, great candidates, and it's good to see uh, the podcast, the broadcasts, if you will, all three very different in style, very different in nature, all up for an initial breakthrough award, and I think that's uh, that's quite an accomplishment, and uh, three very deserving candidates, and uh, good luck to all three of you, my friend, even though Micah might be a little biased, of course, because I'm your broadcast partner, but nonetheless, whoever wins it certainly uh, will deserve it, but you know, Ray brought up a good thing. What's he going to have, 17 more years to win this thing? If he don't win it this year, yeah. he's, a, he's a shoe-in for uh, – <laughs> 2050 or 2032 or something. Yeah, no, he, uh, he's got some time, but, uh, you know, like I said, it, it was fun to just kind of collaborate with these two. And, you know, I, I, Ryan brought up a good point. Uh, I think it was on the first segment, you know, people think we're like competing against each other and no. in some ways we are, but in most of the time we're not, uh, you know, these collaborative efforts are what help build the sport of harness racing. And that's, you know, that's what the three of us are here to try to do. And, you know, you included Jay Hawk, Stetler, uh, Rod Allens, Mike Promosi, all of us were trying to do something uh, to help promote the sport of harness racing. And if this is one way that we can do it, you know, why not? Absolutely. No question about it. Well, we're going to take one more uh, final timeout. When we come back, we're going to bid everybody adieu. Don't forget 12 o'clock, uh, the big broadcast from Hoosier Park. So uh, right after this uh, show's over, you could hightail it right over there. It's a beautiful afternoon of harness racing, if you will. And uh, we'll uh, wrap this thing up when we come back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Join us for the Kentucky Sire Stakes, a month-long series of preliminary races for two- and three-year-olds, Colts, Phillies, Pacers, and Trotters. Both two- and three-year-olds will be racing for three lanes at a $30,000 split guarantee. Series begins on Thursday, August 16, 2018, and culminates with $250,000 finals on Sunday, September 17, 2018. There's an estimated $4.5 million in overall purse money on the line. the line. Also new in 2018, $50,000 consolation races, which will be held on Saturday, September 16th, 2018. For more information, visit khrc.ky.gov. That's khrc.ky.gov or call 888-KY-BRIDS. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Thank you for being part of the 2017 Breeders' Crown at Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Together, we witness the greatest harness racing athletes in the world vie for $6 million and solidify their place in Breeders' Crown history. We would like to offer our sincerest congratulations to the 2017 Breeders' Crown champions. Join us for the 2018 live harness racing season, 160 days of the country's best harness racing action. Visit HoosierPark.com for more information on the upcoming live racing season. Have you played Harness Racing's hottest new game? Often Pacing allows you to build and manage a stable of horses, race at real-life racetracks, enlist real drivers, buy, sell, and claim horses, start a breeding operation and breed a champion, and compete against your friends in the entire Often Pacing community. 
Often Pacing is available at the Google Play Store and on the App Store. For more information, follow them on Twitter or on Facebook at Off and Pacing. edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America as we get ready to wrap this thing up. Uh, don't forget next week is the 2017 third edition of the Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards. First post next week will be 7 o'clock p.m. Again, 7 o'clock p.m. No morning show coming up next week. Well, Mike, this has been a lot of fun and uh, listen, have a very, very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays from all of us here at the Post Time with Mike and Mike family. Yeah, well, you do, you do the same, Mike, and uh, like you said, on behalf of all of us here at the Bozich Household, I know I could safely speak for everybody at Harris, Philadelphia. I could safely speak for uh, everybody in the Carter household, I'm sure. A very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and stay safe, uh, stay with your family, and uh, it's just a great, great, great time of year. Once again, Mike, if you haven't voted for the Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards, do so now. Post Time with Mike and Mike.com. Voting's closing very quickly, Mike, isn't it? Yep, voting closes on Wednesday. They close on Wednesday, December the 27th. We'll see everybody right back here next week. First post, 7 o'clock. Good night, everybody.